get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in the study we're doing together through the Old Testament now, um, we are working through the Bible a chapter at a time. We spent five years on the New Testament. We got through that a chapter at a time one year ago, a little over a year ago now. Well, yes, year and change. We started in the Old Testament, and we are just finishing the book of Genesis, 50 chapters long. We've worked our way through it. Um, you know, the Bible, it's important to, to know it and to read it like this and to have context for what's going on um, so that you, you understand, sort of have an idea about what's happening and why and how it fits together. And, um, and, and next week, uh, as Douglas said, we'll begin the book of Exodus and uh, another fascinating book in, uh, in Bible history. Um, we'll be done with Genesis today as we're in Genesis 50. So this will probably be the last time you hear me say what I'm about to say. Things that I wanted you to remember as we talked about Genesis, and I hope you've got this now because if you didn't get it, it's done. There were four events that you should remember in Genesis. There were four main people that you should remember from Genesis and one main theme. And I've gone over this almost every week since we started. So... So the four main events all happen in those first 11 chapters. And the four events are creation, the fall, the flood, and Tower of Babel. Very good. I'm so glad you've been listening. All right. Then starting in Genesis 12 and working our way through, four main characters. And, and they are Very good. So nice. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are known as the patriarchs. And that's where everything starts for us. Joseph, um, though he's not in the lineage that will um, give us Jesus, uh, he obviously played a huge role in this. And we'll be talking about him today as this, is the, this chapter records the, the end of Joseph's life in the process. Then there's one main theme that I talked. It starts after the fall in Genesis 3, 15, and it runs all the way through to cross, and that theme is known as the crimson thread of redemption. Very good. The crimson thread of redemption. And it runs right from the fall, right after the fall, Genesis 3, 15, and you will see this thread run throughout the Old Testament all the way to the cross. And so now that you've, you've heard about it, you can look for it and you'll see it pop up. You'll just see it. You'll go, oh, well, that's where God was keeping things running towards Jesus. That's where everything was tying together so that we could, we could be redeemed and reconciled and set free and everything needed to happen. So the redemption was coming. All right. So good. You guys have that. that I, I don't know that we will cover that once we start Exodus. We'll start something new in Exodus. And I'll figure out what I want you to remember from, from Exodus. But uh, the Exodus is just what it, it says. Next week we're going to see that they're going to start the process of getting out of Egypt. But now, they've all sort of just gotten there. Now, we're about 50 years into that part of the journey. But um, they've been there for a while. But they got them there. They got them safe. And it was, um, it was so they could survive the famine, right? Remember this big famine came? Um, and it, it looked like it was more than just a little regional famine, like some sort of global event. And everybody needed help. And God had... Um, used Joseph to repair Egypt so that he could ultimately save the, the family, uh, his family, on the journey. And um, so we've been through all of those things together. And then last chapter, you know, uh, uh, in 49, Jacob 
um, also called Israel. He he's um, he sort of ends the ends his deal. He he says what he has to say. Remember, he calls Joseph in, and and then all the sons, and he's got everything he's got to say to everybody, and he gets it all said, and then he just sort of curls back up into bed, and um, he he goes to sleep, and and um, never wakes up from that. And uh, God's waiting for him at that point. But he left behind the the nucleus for this nation of Israel from which everything will happen that leads to us and to the church today. And uh, great testimony. And remember, it's so important. That, and all these, these guys that we've looked at and the people that we've looked at throughout the, throughout the book of Genesis, I love the, the fact that God leaves in the, the word not only all the good stuff they did, but all the questionable stuff. And, and if you wonder why it's there, it's so that we can continue to press on. Because if, if the only thing was in the book was all the good stuff these people did, uh, you know, if, well, I can't speak for all of you. I would think, well, I, I can't, I don't have a shot because I got a lot of mess. But because he left the mess in the book, it gives me great hope. Because then, I'm, oh, well, they're just like me. They're just people, you know, they're, they're trying to live this life out by faith and wanting to do the best they can, but not always measuring up, not always making it. And that's what we see happen here. Because we saw Jacob had his, he had some high, high points and some low points. We saw Isaac who was kind of, uh, he did some good stuff, but he, and even Abraham, you know, they, you know, so all of them have some issues. And then we, we see, you know, in, in Joseph's brothers, and, and yet we, you know, like Judah, who was a big mess, but repents at the end and gets it right. And, and out of his um, lineage will come Jesus and, and David, and, you know, it's fascinating, the redemption that's possible in the process. So, Jacob now has, uh, has died uh, at the end of last chapter, and at the beginning of this chapter, um, Joseph goes into mourning, uh, which will be quite extended, and, um, you, you know, and, and this last chapter is just kind of sort of end Joseph's life, and, and however you look at Joseph, you know, in the story as a, as the son of Jacob, or as the brother of these guys, or as the administrator in Egypt, um, Joseph was an exceptional guy. Uh, and really, um, because of Joseph's life and, and th the way he lived his life, um, many lives were saved during the famine. Really because of Joseph being in place and being receptive and hearing from God and doing what he needed to do. You think about it, he saved the, you know, the people of Egypt as well as the people of Israel and untold others um, in the process. And, and as he saved his own family, it... Um, it saved, you know, the, the people of Israel. Uh, and um, if, if the family of Jacob had died out, the, the world would have been deprived of the Word of God and the Son of God. So we owe a lot to Joseph's steadfastness in the way that he lived his life. At the end of the chapter, um, this sort of ends up with a, with a statement, a coffin in Egypt, which seems sort of a very discouraging way to end a book. But, but really, it's, um, it's actually very encouraging because uh, even though Joseph has gone, um, his, his testimony lives on through these generations that will now, uh, the next 350 years or so, who will live in Egypt and even come under intense slavery. But the, the coffin will go out with them in the Exodus. Moses takes it with him. And uh, it stays with them on the journey for quite some time until they get it to where it needs to go. So pretty cool stuff um, on the journey. But let's see what's going to happen now. So Joseph's going to mourn. Then they're going to take Jacob back to the cave. 
And then he's going to come and live out his life. So let's pick up the action in verse 1, 26 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can follow along in whatever your translation is. Things should pop up on the screens if we're together. And um, I think on the notes that I passed out, these verses were there as well. Joseph threw himself upon his father and wept over him and kissed him. And then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking a full 40 days, for that was the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. And when the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh's court, if I found favor in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him my father made me swear an oath and said I'm about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father and then I will return. And Pharaoh said, go up and bury your father as he has made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him, the dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household. Only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, the Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. That is why the place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizraim. So Jacob's son did as he commanded them. Then they carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah, uh, Machpelah pardon me, near Mamre, which Abraham had brought as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite along with the field. Just a note, if you're not sure how to pronounce these names, just say them like you do and act very confident and everybody will believe you. <laughs> but sometimes I read them and I realize I just pronounced it differently than I had the first time I read it. And I'm like, how did I say Atad the first time? And that kind of blows it right there. But other than that, just act like you, you're in. <laughs> See all, this, all the things that I'm teaching you? Because <laughs> I know you're going to, when you sit down and you're reading this to your kids as a bedtime story, you want to get the names right. When Joseph's brothers, no, sorry, after burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of, of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Jacob said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Verse 20, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third 
generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Maker, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's how the book of Genesis ends. All of that, that's how it ends. So what's going on? Let's just kind of recap the events in this chapter. Not very many verses, so we should be able to work through this pretty quickly. Um, so Jacob, when Jacob died, uh, he was 147 years old. And Joseph wept, it says, and mourned for months. And, and um, he grieved bitterly over the loss of his father. Uh, and, and, you know, um, when, when we experience loss, certainly grieving is something that we should do. It's legitimate. It's something that we need to process through. You don't just kind of shake these things off. Um, you have to continue to press on and do what you need to do. But, but we, we have to deal with those issues in our lives. And, and certainly make sure you always allow yourself enough time to grieve a loss like that. Um, sometimes we feel pushed to, to not allow a, an appropriate measure of time. And um, Joseph certainly didn't rush it. So he took a long time, like 70 days. And then they traveled a little bit. And then he did another seven. And, um, and it looks like it was pretty straight time morning. So, big, pretty deal. So anyway, we see him take time to grieve this loss. You know, and he'd, you remember all the time they'd already lost, separated from his father and not know what was going on and then to be back together. But they had a good run uh, together again. And then, um, and now it was just time for his father to go on. Uh, they had Jacob embalmed, which was a normal practice for Egyptians, but not um, customary for sort of the nomadic shepherds of the time. And um, the Egyptians did it because they believed that the bodies went on to the next world, and so they preserved the bodies um, so that they could function in the world to come. That's why it was such a big deal. And apparently they were very good at it, which is why they every now and again will uncover um, pretty well put together mummies, you know, thousands of years old. So, um, so that was why they did it. And, uh, you know, Jacob's family, I, I think they probably allowed him to be embalmed as a sign of respect to the Egyptians because they were there and that was sort of their custom. And so they allowed it to happen. And so that took 40 days and then they mourned for, you know, 70 altogether. Uh, and then in verse 5, Joseph, you know, speaks to Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh and says, I, I, I promised I would take him to this cave where um, he wants to be buried. And they, they said, absolutely. And then they all went, too. It's kind of a, that was quite a party. You read about, like, everybody important went for this whole deal. And it's because they respected Joseph. He had, in fact, been used by God to save them. And they, they were pretty much aware of it. And, um, and also, you know, Pharaoh's court, because of, you know, Jacob, now Pharaoh owned everything. Um, because he didn't just give them the food that he'd stored up that he took from them. He made them buy it with 
their money and then their livestock and then their very lives and all their stuff and then they're, they had to pledge themselves to Pharaoh. So, um, uh, so when this time came, he said, I need to take and, and I need to take him there. I promised him and they said, absolutely. And they, they went with him. It was quite a deal, the, the company of people that went to um, take Jacob to the cave in uh, Machpelah. Now, um, if you remember this cave, um, we, we first sort of found about it in Genesis 23, and, and uh, Abraham had purchased it as a place to bury Sarah. And it was to be a burial place for um, all of the family. And, um, and so, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their wives and the things that were going on. And this, um, this cave was in Canaan, which was the promised land where they would end up. And I've told you, it's also very near the place where Jesus was crucified, um, which I, is a fascinating thing. I always think it's fascinating for this. Don't ever take this more than you should from what I'm about to tell you. But there's a spot in Matthew where after Jesus has died and defeats death and rises again, tombs pop open. And the Bible says that like 500 people get up and they were well-known people and they're up and about for a little while. And I, I often wonder if these guys weren't there. Hey, we know what's going to happen. See, they were, they, God had been speaking to them. I want to be in the cave when Jesus comes because that'll be cool. So make sure you get me there. You see, they, and they were insistent. No, don't leave. No, no, don't leave me here. I want to be in the cave. Get me to the cave. Now, it could just be that it was just so that they would be in the promised land where, the, where, all the promise, where they, God had promised them they would be. That could be that too. But um, it's a picture of, you know, their faith. And these guys all had great faith. Even though it wasn't perfect, these were people of faith that, that marched on and didn't see a lot of the stuff that was promised to them but knew that it was coming pretty significant deal. So now you get the brothers, a little twist here, because this has been a 17-year process. They've been there, and they've lived in Goshen now. It's not like he, they showed up and he died. They've been there for quite some time uh, and had a measure of restored relationship. And now the brothers, though, that now that Jacob's out of the way, they start talking and they think, what if he didn't really mean it when he said he forgave us? Now that dad's gone, maybe he's going to get even. Because remember, the brothers were really not very nice to Joseph. Um, with, you know, not nice and that they wanted to kill him and decided just to sell him into slavery instead. Um, so pretty, pretty much not nice. And, um, and now, now, so they talk amongst them. And it sounds like they come up with this story on their own. Now, it's possible they had talked to Jacob about this. You try and give him the benefit of the doubt before he died. And Jacob said, hey, just go ahead and say this. Um, but if not, they just made up this story on their way back, and they decide to say, hey, uh, we had this talk, and, and uh, you know, Jacob, the, your father, you know, our father, but your father, he wanted to make sure that you didn't come after us, and uh, so, um, you know, he, he wanted you to forgive us, and, and I think they just, you know, when you think about what they'd done to Joseph, thinking, believing that he'd really forgiven them was pretty significant. Because could, could he really forgive us for selling him into slavery? Could he really forgive us? And, and yet sometimes, see, see, we've been forgiven so much, sometimes we struggle with what Jesus has forgiven us too. And so instead of receiving forgiveness, we start trying to work for it, earn it, and question it. But it, Joseph had forgiven them, and um, he reassured them, and he tells them again, absolutely, you're forgiven, and I'll take care of you and your families. And, and um, 
he, he, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't because they deserved it. It was because he knew that's what God wanted him to do, and he was going to move in that in the whole process. And so, you know, because we've been forgiven, we're supposed to be those who forgive much. We need to remember that. Then that verse 20 pops up, and I love that. You know, you intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. How God takes hard situations and use them for good. He doesn't cause them. He uses them. You need to know that. But God uses some horrific, you know, horrific broken world stuff, and he takes it and he uses it because that's who he is. And he used this situation. Um, and think about all the stuff. The, uh, he used the brother's evil movement in his life to either kill him or sell him to slavery. He used Potiphar's wife's false accusation against him. He used the cupbearer's neglect who, who didn't, you know, keep his end of the bargain. Um, he used the seven years of famine. Um, God used all these events to bring about what needed to happen for our sake, for theirs, but for ours. And from it, you know, I think hopefully we learn some patience because sometimes we have to wait patiently for things to go the, the way that we believe God wants them to go. And um, again, I shouldn't speak for you, but Patience isn't always our best thing. And, you know, being patient has a lot to do with trusting. And God wants us to trust him. And, and he, he's able to take situations and use them, which is an amazing thing. So uh, now, you know, these last things, that, verse 22, and kind of we're, we're getting to the end of Joseph's life. Um, remember, he was 17 years old when he was taken to Egypt. He lived there 93 years. So he spent... A good, that's a pretty good run in Egypt. Um, 51 of them, his family had been renewed uh, uh, to him. So um, that's a good run with them. Uh, and he saw to it during his entire time that the, you know, the, the people of Israel were cared for and protected. Uh, and he became a grandfather and then a great-grandfather uh, in the process. Apparently, he even adopted Manasseh's grandchildren in a, in a way similar to the way Jacob had, had adopted Joseph's children. That's the whole thing when he put them on their knee and it was sort of a picture of the, your mind now. The Bible doesn't really say what that means to um, Manasseh's grandchildren, but it definitely happened. Uh, and then towards the end there, verse 24, uh, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions uh, concerning his bones um, and so the promise that God had made to Abraham had passed along to Isaac and to Jacob, and Jacob had shared them with Joseph, and Joseph is going to make sure future generations know, look, this is coming. A time will come when you're going to, God's going to move you out of this place and into the promised land. You need to be aware of it. And, um, he, you know, when you go, make sure you take my bones with you. Don't leave me here either. I, I'm going with you. And, um, and so generation after generation after generation then over the next 350 years, would talk about this whole process and what was going on. Um, and then at the age of 110, Joseph dies. He had probably by that point outlived his older brothers, but his own grandsons knew their grandfather's wishes and um, uh, that he was the, the, the remains were to go when they left. And so Joseph's coffin in Egypt was a, was a constant reminder, I think, of the promise that was to come. So it's a weird way to end the book, but it's, it's okay. He, he, you know, in, in, Joseph in his embalmed coffin and in his state was there with them, and it was a reminder 
that, that when the time came and that, that a time had been promised to them, they were to take those bones with them and they were going to leave. And God would continue this promise that he had made through Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And, um, and, and then we'll see when they leave. When, when, the, when the Jews leave, Moses will have Joseph with the bones with him and off they'll go. And for a while in the wandering process, that will be there. Again, a testimony of all that God had done. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I hope, I hope you enjoyed Genesis. It's a fascinating book. Lots of really neat people involved. Great uh, sort of um, descriptions of people of faith and people who are like us and who get it sometimes and not so much at other times. And, and uh, you know, they, they had great courage at times and they, they were motivated well at times and they missed it at times. But all of it, I think, helps us to know that, that you know, we're, we learn ultimately that we, we find life trusting in God and following after him and, you know, doing what we can each day. And when we mess up, we go running back to God and ask for forgiveness. And he gives it to us. And, and then he empowers us to do the next right thing, which is really what it's all about. So uh, that's a good run through the book of Genesis. I'm going to end it there. If you're watching my video, thanks for doing it. Hope to see you uh, very soon. Next week, we'll start up on the book of Exodus. And so um, that will be good. You know where we're at. One book down, a little year down, 14 years more, and we'll be done with the Old Testament. So you have plans for the next 14 years on Wednesday nights. <laughs> we'll still be serving pasta and beanie weenies. <laughs> All right.